Hi there, this is the Reverend Michael Lowry, pastor of East Congregational United Church of Christ in Concord, New Hampshire, and this is Love to Tell the Story. God gives us life, God gives us love, God gives us his name so that we can know him, and God gives us a law, and within that law, a promise. Continuing our series of sermons this summer that we're calling Back to the Basics of God, today we're going to talk about God's law, or at least the first part of that law, in a message based on Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 6, and the giving of the Ten Commandments. Well, I guess if I'm being honest here, folks, the first and perhaps the most obvious question we should be asking here this morning is, what are we to do with the Ten Commandments in a time such as this? I mean, think about this with me for just a moment. How do we address these ten words of God? Words being actually the more literal translation of the original Hebrew from this morning's text. How do we address these ten words of God that stand on the one hand as amongst the most recognized passages in all of Scripture, and yet on the other as a 2007 study revealed, a vast majority of Americans were hard-pressed to actually be able to name all ten of those words. In fact, that same study, it showed that more people were able to rattle off the ingredients in a Big Mac than to readily recite all the Ten Commandments. I know what you're doing in your heads right now, too. And understand, that's just our inability to name the Ten Commandments, friends. And if we're going to talk about that, well, that's a whole other thing. John C. Holbert, who is a professor emeritus of homiletics at Southern Methodist University, he has written that these days, naming the Ten Commandments as serious demands to be considered as part of a healthy Christian life has gone the way of white sidewall tires, VHS movies, and eight-track tapes. He goes on and he says, in a time when individual decision is the source of right morality, any suggestion, let alone a biblical command, is made irrelevant, unwelcome, and to be avoided like the plague. Considered by so many in this modern age to be merely a series of outdated, outmoded, and basically impossible ideas about how we might live with our fellow human beings. There's all that, and for now at least, let's not even talk about how many of those commandments you and I have routinely bent, if not broken. So, got to ask it again. What do we do about the Ten Commandments? Should I be standing up here wagging my finger at you all with a thundering and emotional series of thou shalt nots? Placing particular emphasis, I might add, on that verse about God being a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of their parents to the third and fourth generations. Or perhaps maybe a more pragmatic approach would be 
to recite all those particular verses in a solemn yet utterly inoffensive tone that might lead us all to at least think about them. (laughs) Or maybe the best idea is really to just avoid them altogether. The 19th century Danish philosopher and theologian Soren Kierkegaard once told the story about a novice sailor who was instructed by his captain to take the helm of his ship at night. The captain said to him, all you need to do is just keep your eyes focused on the North Star. But late into the night, the young sailor fell asleep. And when he woke up, he realized to his horror that the ship had drifted and he had lost his bearings. So, of course, what did he do but call out to the captain? And he asked for new directions. And he said, Captain, sir, we passed the North Star. What am I supposed to do now? Well, if you think about that for a minute, and if you know anything at all about the night sky, then you know that nobody passes the North Star. It's always right there. It's always in the same place in the sky it always is. And it always serves to point the way for wayward sailors no matter what. Bottom line is you can't pass the North Star. And likewise, Kierkegaard says, you can't pass the Ten Commandments. Truth be told, every generation since the day of Moses, including our own generation, has tried to pass the Ten Commandments, and they have failed to find new directions for their journey. And the reason it fails is because there are new are no new directions, and the things that we have tried along the way haven't worked. We need the Ten Commandments. Because, to quote M. Craig Barnes of Princeton Seminary, they're not ten suggestions. They're not ten principles for success. They're not ten ideas as if Moses was just sharing. These are commandments. And, Barnes goes on to say, they are grace. Because all too often, just like that novice sailor in Kierkegaard's story, we too lose our bearings. And these laws, God's laws, will show us the way we need to go. You know, one of the things I find very fascinating about our text for this morning, is that just before proclaiming these ten words, and of course, as I said before, only two we're covering today, God says this, I am the Lord your God. Capital L-O-R-D, of course, as we explored last week, which means Yahweh, meaning I am who I am. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So right away, even before we begin with the commandments, we are reminded of the presence and power of a graceful, redeeming, liberating God. Historically speaking, we are told that these commandments were actually given to the Hebrews 
around 30 days or so after the great exodus out of Egypt. And so the commandments that follow are in essence the rules, the law for their long journey to the promised land that awaited them. In other words, says Yahweh, I have heard your cries. I have led you across the Red Sea. I have delivered you out of bondage and you are free. But to be truly free, here are the rules that you're going to need. I read that, you know, and it puts me in mind of so many families I have known over the years as a pastor. Families who, after having raised them up in the church all their lives, have sent their children off to college or to the military or some other version of adult life, all in the fervent hope that they will have retained at least a little bit of what they have learned in Sunday school. And of course, let's be clear, sometimes these kids keep the faith as it were, but there are also a whole lot of times that that new freedom they experience out there in the world inevitably leads to, well, shall we say, the casting off of some, if not all, of the rules they were taught at church and school and at home. Often, uh, it might be also added, at the expense of their academic experience, shall we say. I remember, I think I was in seminary at the time, working at the Bangor News, and one of my co-workers, who was working part-time and going to school, said to me one night, well, it looks like I'm done with college. And I said, what happened? And he said, well, after this year, he said, they failed to renew my option. So this happens. We've seen it happen. We've experienced it, maybe. But here's the thing. So often, there also comes a time, albeit sometimes much, much later in life, that these same young people who have sort of cast off the rules out in the world rediscover in their life that the old rules they were given early on mattered, that they were important. And they start to discover that maybe those were the things they needed for a good life all along. To wit, I'm always amazed at, over the years, how young people will bring their kids to church or to Sunday school or to a vacation Bible school or something like that. And when they talk to me, they say, well, you know, we haven't been in church for years, but, you know, now we really think our kids need this. They need those rules. When it comes to life, you see, there need to be rules, but not rules for the sake of the rules itself, but for the sake of the love with which those rules were given. And when those rules come out as a result of our relationship with the Lord, our God, who has given us life, who has given us his name, who has given us his love, those rules mean more than ever. There needs to be rules. There needs to be a law. And that law starts with the affirmation, the proclamation that I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. And right afterward, you shall not make for yourself an idol. And you shall not bow down to them or worship them. 
actually, these two commandments are very much related to each other. Both speak of the need to keep God up the forefront of our life and living. You find here the parameters of that relationship with God, and it is stated right up front. God says, I am the Lord, your God. Your God. In other words, friends, what this tells us is that our God is not a passive God. He's not a distant God. He is not an absentee landlord, as one of my seminary professors used to say. Or, nor is he a God who is uninterested in us or our lives. Our God is intimately involved in every aspect of our life and living. And ever and always is as close to us as our very breathing. Hence the commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, because I am Yahweh. I am the one God who is and who will be, and I will be for you. Don't forget that, says God. Don't forget that, especially in those moments when you will find yourself tempted to make yourself an idol or when you attempt to create for yourself a small letter G God for your own personal use. Of course, you know, historically and biblically, we remember that it wasn't very long at all before the Hebrews, in impatience for their situation and out of faithlessness, fell prey to that very temptation, and they made their, their idol a so-called golden calf, before which they immediately bowed down and worshipped and danced before it. Of course, though, it's important to note here, if it hadn't been the golden calf, it probably would have been something else. Because we understand, don't we, how much easier it is for us on the journey to create an idol for ourselves rather than to stay focused on our relationship with God. Craig Barnes again. Best of all about the gold calf, he says, it makes no demands. And we've always preferred that in a God. It's all promises, no commandments. Now, I'm looking out on the congregation here, and I can readily affirm that none of us here have a ready-to-worship golden calf at home. At least I hope you don't. But also, again, being honest, Somewhere in our lives, there might just be an idol that we have created for ourselves when the going with God got a little rough. There's a lot of things I could name here. Money's a big one. Basically, friends, if we figure we've got enough money, then we don't have to worry about anything. So we worship in that sense the money we make, the money we gain, the money we can... Uh, stockpile. And while there's nothing wrong at all with a solid financial future, the point is, is that it can easily become an idol if we're not careful. Same thing goes with the perfect job. Same thing goes with the position or power that directs your life. Same thing goes even with the person or the people around us that make all the difference for us, the people that we don't think we could survive without. They do make our lives better. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's a good thing 
But it's not a good thing when it become, those people become as idols to us because people cannot save us. Only God can do that. <coughs> Only God can do that. Only the Lord our God who gives us life, love, his name, and the law. And you shall have no other gods, only me, he says. You shall have no carved gods of any size, shape, form, or of anything whatsoever, he says. And yes, lest we forget it is right there in Exodus, and we do need to take it seriously. Our God is a most jealous God. But also, as the message translates it, God says, I am unswervingly loyal to the thousands who love me and who keep my commandments. In other words, friends, when God said to us, you shall have no other gods before me, that's not just a commandment. That's a promise. You see, that's the trick. You see, that's the way... I think we need to approach these Ten Commandments. It is for us to love the God who has been and shall ever be unswervingly loyal to us, to honor his promise to you and to me by keeping his commandments, to let his word become our word, and to let this law that God has given us out of great and unending love guide us along our way. That's what I mean when I say that we need that law. Because, beloved, we need it to know which way to go. As I know I've shared with you from this pulpit many times before, actually, my late father used to have this little cabin in the northern Maine woods that he built for hunting and fishing, a little snowmobiling in the winter, too. And that little cabin was surrounded by literally thousands of acres worth of pristine wilderness that over the years, Dad and his hunting buddies had marked with miles of gently marked trails. They were very rough pathways. In fact, if you weren't looking for them, you might well miss them. But they were pathways that led across these acres into deep forests, rushing brooks, and hardwood ridges. This was how all of us, including me and my friends when we were young, got to know these woods like the back of our hands. And it was how we discovered wonderful places to go fishing, places to gather to boil a kettle, as one of my dad's friends used to call it, to have lunch on the trail. And or maybe to find out a little bit where the white-tailed deer were hanging out. However, as we all also found out at one time or another, those marked trails also served for a way for us to bear, find our bearings when we were, as we used to put it, turned around in the woods. We carried compasses, of course, friends. I need to tell you that. We had been taught how to use them. But there were times and situations when we'd gone walking all through that pucker brush all day 
And before long, you look up and you realize, much to your dismay, that every tree looks like, well, every other tree. And we were just a little bit short of lost out in those woods. <laughs> Happened to me more than once. And you'd start kind of wandering through these woods. You'd try to get your head focused on what you had to do next. And, and before long, you'd actually see it. A mark on one of those trees. The same mark that had been cut into that tree by my father years before I ever got there. And when you got to that tree, you'd stop and you'd look up and there ahead of you, 25 or 30 yards maybe, there would be another marked tree. And you'd walk to that one and then there would be another and another and yet another until you looked up and looked around and wow, everything you were seeing was familiar. Familiar enough anyway. Comforting enough that you were no longer concerned about the possibility of completely getting lost and knowing that very soon you would be surely and safely back at camp and in front of a roaring fire. Well, that's what I think of, friends, when I think about what we need to be doing about these words of God, these Ten Commandments. We need to follow them. Yes, word by word, rule by rule, law by law, and promise by promise. If we'll just let our lives be moved that way. From law to law, commandment to commandment. And if we do, the God of love and loyalty will most certainly bring us home. And for that and so much more, our thanks should be unto God. Amen and amen. And that's the message entitled God's Law and Promise. It's part of our current sermon series that we've entitled Back to the Basics of God and was recorded at our August the 15th service of worship at East Church. Now, if you happen to be visiting New Hampshire this summer and you're looking for a place to worship, we'd love to have you join us at East Church. We gather every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, or if you prefer, you can always find us online at Facebook Live on our East Congregational Church Facebook page. Either way, I think you'll be glad you came, and I would love the opportunity to welcome you. And with that, we come to the close of this episode of Love to Tell the Story. I'm Michael Lowry, and I thank you for listening today. And until next time, stay safe, be well, and may God bless you with a great day every day. We'll talk to you soon.